0: up, it's the No Never podcast, with your host Jamie Smith.
2: Hello and welcome to a slightly different No Never special podcast this week. We're not going to talk about the Liverpool game um, because basically we didn't play well at all and it's not very interesting to talk about as losing. Well so we are going to take this opportunity to bring you um, edited snippets from our chat with He's Chief Executive Lee who's and Chief Operating Officer David Baldwin um, We spoke to Lee about a year ago I think now So it's interesting to, to look back at, at what was said then But he's he's now got a henchman His number two is David Baldwin who's come in from Bradford City So it's the first opportunity we've had to, to speak to him as well um, We asked on last week's podcast for you to send in your questions And we put some of those to the pair of them as well And there'll be full write-ups of all the interview that we conducted before the Swansea City game that will all be on the website as well if you prefer to digest it in written format. For the first part of the interview we talked about the community department at Turf Moor which is Apparently, one of the best-run parts of the club. From everything we keep hearing about it, here's what Lee Who's had to say about the community department.
3: We could probably do a whole separate session on community if, if you guys want to read through this and come back and have a chat with yeah, me, me and Neil about community. community because you are absolutely. For me, you know, I, one it. of my proudest moments last year was getting promoted, but mm. I'm just as proud. The community department. What we've done there it makes me as proud as getting promoted does. I think clubs are actually <coughs> delivering a hell of a lot more than what they did thirty years ago. Football club at its community department delivered um, football courses. That's what it did. If you look at what clubs deliver now, you've got um, you know the engagement statistic. We, we engaged over fourteen thousand people in the last year. But now we also do health initiatives. We do um, social inclusion initiatives. We do educational initiatives. Um, Burnley itself this town and this club are connected this is you know uh, you, you guys know, I've worked for other football clubs, but in Southampton, um, in, in Fulham, in Leicester, if I walked around those towns, I would see all kinds of shirts. I would see Chelsea shirts and, and, um, and uh, Barcelona shirts and Manchester City and Manchester United and Arsenal yeah. shirts. Whereas here, <coughs> it is claret and blue. The connection between the town and this club is extremely important. And without this, without the, the football club needs the town the town needs the club. So this club really needs to act as a catalyst to help the town the, the as well. Um, because that's our future fan base coming up. GCSE attainment levels in, in here are diabolical. Only they're, they're 14% below the national average at 44% as opposed to 60% and they're rock bottom of the table in Lancashire, fourth bottom as that. But to try and help us, help the schools, um, in, um, and, and probably the worst performers are, are guys like I was when I was in school who had the ability, but were pretty lazy when it came down to it. So we said, right, if you get five or more GCSEs, C level or above, um, two of which have to be maths and English, we'll give you five. We'll give you five free games for, for next <coughs> season, and we're hoping that that the head. The, so far, the preliminary indications from the heads are actually this is targets the exact group we need to target in terms of doing that to do do that forward. Okay
2: because there is so much to talk about on that side. We will be having another sit-down with Lee and probably the head of uh, the community department, Neil Hart, some point in the near future. That might be during the summer. So if you are particularly interested in the community side, please do get in touch with any questions you want us to put to the club on that issue. And we will do so when we get the opportunity. And the next part was safe standing, which is an issue that is um, very close to the hearts of a lot of Burnley sports. I think we talked about... Um, how it's different at away games and how stewards don't seem to enforce um, the the legalities of standing, but safe standing at Turf is certainly an issue that we wanted to talk to them about. So here's what they had to say about that.
3: That's that's the um, the big problem with away games right now. Is um, here everybody knows where you can go, and if you know like they're in block two or block three, they stand up. So they buy tickets somewhere else. But when we go to away games, the problem is. You know, you get yeah, some I guy know, in the front I'm, who kicks yeah, up and I'm, then, I'm, then you got the older yeah. guys in the back, and, but, yeah, yeah, it, but in terms but of the stand, big problem yeah.
4: actually quite often with away games is a lot of the times you the seats are actually on reserve. The, the, the stewards the are like, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. sit where you want. Stewards, stewards yeah. are like
3: anybody else, are thinking, I, I don't I, I need they to don't want <laughs> yeah. A, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. here from but a safety standpoint to if there's a problem. I was, I was, you know, if you want to stand in the back. This is what I was going to say, at Leicester,
4: there was people, you know, were deliberately moving to the back.
3: Because they knew they stood
4: but they were sitting and the company that people were standing. I, I just
3: think this whole standing issue, just, I, we're getting a little off base here, but I just think the whole standing issue for for me, and I've come out and said it publicly, and I've said it to the league, and I've, it's not a health and safety issue. It is a supportive services issue. Yeah. And you, know, you should just just say, look, it's really not. I've never seen anybody, you know, the, the argument is, oh, well, if you get people repeatedly standing in a, in a seated area, you get a domino effect and they fall over. Come on, you go to a concert, yeah, you're I mean, drinking, you're doing everything else at a concert, and jumping up and down, and it doesn't, doesn't affect it. Probably we we've done. You'd have to redevelop the stand, because yeah. the rake and the Hargreaves stand is way too steep to have standing yeah. up there. So in a, in a, safe, in a half yeah,
1: situation, but, yeah, if we were placing your, your waist on, for example, and
3: we have, I do two our, things. I have yeah. a home standing section and I have an away standing section. The away standing section that way, the people who want to sit down know they can come in and they're going to have yeah. a seat. The guys who want to stand say I know I'm not blocking anybody so, so, else though.
4: I think the logical solution would probably be to do something in the cricket field time with for its sort of age. And you mean if it board. were legal to do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. if it was legal yeah. to do it, that'd be Yeah, yeah probably can we do
5: to? Do to the, yeah, I don't disagree with that. A formal club position is always going to be is that any club would look at what was in their interests of their supporters at the point in which legislation allowed them to do that. That's the reality of it. So, so, And, and if there's an appetite for something, the, the view definitely from us as a club is that if we, if we can facilitate something sustainable and, and com- compliant, it, it, it's an open discussion to be able to do that. The, the bottom line is, is that if any one of those barriers gets put in front of you, and if the first one is the legal position, then obviously you can't further it. That's why you, you're better off to just redress... And stand in a neutral ground until such a time as you can get through all those barriers.
2: Now I've got Adam here with me as well today. Um on safe standing, the, the cup seems really non committal, don't they? They keep saying that if, if it was possible they would. But I don't know about you do you sense that there is the, the appetite from the cup to do it?
6: I don't know, they seem they seem to <laughs> they seem to kind of talk themselves round in in a way that they're, they're saying, Yeah we would and then all of a sudden it's like, No no they wouldn't because we can't and it's a, it's a bit of a shame. I think I've read somewhere that that they would, um, but they didn't say that explicitly. In in our interviews. you can you can hear from Bol- David Baldwin there. He uh, kind of says, "Yeah, we would, uh, but we can't but because there are barriers." Barriers in
2: the way. And,
6: I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite metaphorical. There are barriers. Uh, barri- barriers well, in the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. So. It's a strange choice of word. Anyway, I think the
2: the problem is that unless I think clubs have to demand this. They're not going to change the law and allow it unless Cubs push for it. But Cubs aren't going to push for it because it's going to cost so much money to transform stadiums. And yeah. Although, unlike a lot of Cubs, we have areas that, that need to be redeveloped anyway. You'd say that the cricket field standards we... As we talked to to Lee and David about, would be the obvious place to have say standing at Turf Moor. It'd still be a lot of work. It'd probably need a complete rebuild. It's it's not as easy as just putting in these rails, is it? It's it's a big investment, and the, the club has to decide whether that would be worth it financially as well.
6: Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a paradox in that respect. You need you need the infrastructure there, and then you need to to um to for the clubs to push it but then there's no incentive for them to push it because they, they just have to spend money to to try and implement it in, implement it anyway so it, it'll be interesting to see over like the coming coming years because i guess there, there seems to be more of a an appetite for from a fan perspective for for this to happen i think we're, we're slowly getting towards a stage where it seems like an obvious thing to do eventually um but uh, it'll be interesting to see if it does ever happen because of the, these kind of problems, almost political problems uh, from, from clubs.
2: Yeah, obviously a lot of it dates back to the Hillsborough, uh, the Hillsborough disaster even and Nobody wants to see anything like that happening, yeah. but if it could be done safely, I think that's, that's something football has to look at. But knowing what football's like, it could be a long time before we see any progress there. <laughs> yeah. um, the next thing that we talked about is ticketing. Ticket prices is obviously something that we've um, gone quite hard on the club at times, and we've felt it's been warranted. And I'm sorry to say it, but if you're not a fan of hearing about the retainer, you might not want to listen to this. Next bit because it does come up a little bit.
5: Ultimately, when you look at the revenue pot that you have to generate as a budget to deliver the operation, because what you've got to consider is when the you know, if we had a scenario that we dropped out of the Premier League and if after the scenario of the parachute payments disappeared, what is the is the, the model sustainable in its own right with the incomes that come in?
4: That well, I think the real question probably from the fans' point of view is how would staying in the Premier League affect over the long term sort of individual game prices? As you sort of more reliant on
5: that presumably. As Well, the reality is, is that the longer you're in the Premier League and the way the Premier League money comes, then that income outweighs all the the, the other ancillary incomes that you bring in through sponsorship and ticket prices. But what you've got is when you when you've gone in in year one, you're sitting there with a very um, <coughs> speculative view as to whether you're going to sustain it. So the, the the biggest part of the strategy planning, which is something that we've we've, we've, we've We've booked already for uh, the next board meeting is about of what happens in, in in the event of a relegation and a non-promotion and that is more important than where of you are to so. do three years and 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 the answer to that would be is as ticket price income and commercial income becomes less of a priority to the club in terms of it's got this sustainable it's in that middle band that, that Lee was talking about that fairly safe Premier League band of you know you're gonna be there so you can plan your house accordingly um, the reality then is you can be much more adventurous with what you do with your price point. The retainer was
2: obviously a big issue last season. Now you've had time to The voucher, to yeah. The retainer. <laughs> the voucher, you? yeah. Now you've got time to reflect on the, the retainer voucher. How do you feel about it
3: now? Um the the, the litmus test will be at the end of this month we'll or the next month. To see if they come back. Yeah. But that's it. What what's the indication so far on season two for sales? Would we up fifty percent or 100 like yeah. percent.
5: We're 50 percent ahead of the arc this
3: time yeah. of year. Traditionally, we probably get about 80 percent renewal, depending on, on where we are renewal rate. You know, it's obviously a little higher when we got promoted. Um, but if we can crack that 80 percent mark and, and move it up to 90 percent, I'd say it's been a, it's been a huge. I mean, success. I mean, personally,
4: for me, I definitely saw your argument that. You know, you you've rewarded people. Oh, look, we we want if you want to turn we up for the support and
3: how we marketed yeah, it. Know. And I've said that. I was like, okay, um, I, I apologize for it was marketed. It, it, it didn't come out right. It you know, it's 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 not you know, it wasn't meant to be. We're going to keep your money because no, we're going to give you your time off. But based on the level and what we needed to, to charge and and in that, in that effort again to try and reward loyalty. Because if you think about, it, if you bought a um, a season a ticket in the in the Jimmy Max stand, that would make it two hundred and twenty nine quid this year, which makes it. So that's 12, quid, that's 12 quid a game. But that includes... The other thing I always like to point out is, you know, people say, oh, in the last five or six years, tickets have really gone up. So, well, six years ago, VAT was 15%. So I've had a 5% rise in the VAT in that, in that yeah. amount of time. Yeah. I'm hoping that... We don't need to do that again. The, 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 it worked last time. We retain the people that um, that actually bu- have season tickets. Any decision you make about how you package something and when I present it is all
5: based on what you achieve in your current campaign. Now, and, and you don't lose sight of that campaign. And I think the one thing that that you ha- that we have with the early bird campaign and we had with the eighteen month offer that we did was it's clear cut on the price point. It was introduced very early. There's a, a really long extended period of time from December to 31st to March to do it, and it. Everyone's getting the message that you can make this easy payment. The reason is 58% so far have taken up the option, so uh, to pay over a spread period. So confusing the issue and throwing lots of information out there that misrepresents. And, and <coughs> for as an outsider looking at the, you know, the uh, the voucher scheme, the reality is is that it's the misunderstanding of it as opposed to the actual. If there's a
3: problem with it. Normally, it's the transmitter, not the receiver, and okay. right. So yeah. 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 The early bird deadline, by the
2: way, that was mentioned in that part is the end of March but if you do want to take advantage of the 12-month payment thing that was mentioned you don't have a long time to do that at all. The deadline for that is the 13th and you have to do it in person at the ticket office so sorry for not being able to give you an old notice on that one but that's how that one goes. It's the end of March for the early bird. It's quite interesting that the renewals seem to be going quite well and the club seems to think the retainer works even though it didn't go down particularly well. The next part that we talked about was transfers. Obviously January was not a good transfer window for I and mean, I think the club accepts that. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to get a lot more detail on what exactly went wrong, but we did get some insight on how transfers work at Turfmore. Who's responsible for what? Says so what Lee and David had to say about transfers.
3: Process-wise, how it works is manager yeah. says, "I'm looking for this position." Recruitment department says, "You know, here, here are the players we have on the radar screen." So you go out and say, "Like him, don't like him, like him, like him, don't like him." Not me. I don't say that. The manager says, "Like yeah." Oh, let's try and get, get these guys in and then we try and get a deal over the line. Now the problem is, it takes two, um, three people to make a deal happen. Us, the selling club, and the player. Um, so th- three different deals have to, have to come to light. Now, <laughs> this was an extraordinary window this time, because I have, when I was at Fulham, there's a photo of, of um, Claudio Reyna holding a Fulham shirt with a big smile on his face, because uh, we had agreed a deal with Sunderland, and we would agreed the personal terms with him. He had done his medical, we were just waiting for the scans to come back. And then his, his agent says, um, oh, i, I got to get back to you. Sunderland playing silly games with the balance of signing on fee. Um, you know, you know, just let me go and sort this out with them. Okay, that's fine. Ten minutes later, I get a phone call from another agent. Have you signed Rainer yet? No, not yet. They're having problems with Uncle Bob up in Sunderland. Uh, right, that's because he's on his way to Man City. <coughs> so until everything is signed off, it's done. It's not, never done. Now, on the other side of that, I've had it where Brian McBride was on his way to Blackburn until he landed in London and I gives up the deal before he got to Blackbird and Sunday. It was yeah. supposedly going to Brighton,
2: wasn't he? we got there in last
3: Yes, that's correct as well. So that was this year. You're, you're very well informed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So until until the deal's actually done, and I can tell you now, we we had two deals agreed, personal terms and and terms with the with the clubs as well. Uh, what's that? Durham's? Well, I won't, I won't comment on names because I'm not going to throw players under a bus. Oh, were the they actually the guys in a
4: move? One, in the them, of, the
3: one test- of them was actually here. We were waiting to start the medical um, when the manager got a call and said, You've got to send them back. We've got some problems at our end. So to make a deal happen, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, if a, and I don't know what the reasons were, but at the end of the day, we just said, keep the player engaged, keep the, the, the agent engaged, you know, because you, you saw him in here. Um, and that's, <laughs> let's, let's see if we can enable this another way. Is it a cash? Is it a finance issue? Do we need to rejig the, the deal with the club? But at the end of the day, the club, you know, wouldn't do it. And after an hour, I said, Sean, you know, this, this just ain't moving. What do we do? And he said, um, "We gotta send him back." He said, the players under contract to that club. There's nothing we can actually do." Another deal was was so it, you know even though we had the deal in place, the deal never went through. Second player as well, deal in place in the morning, by the afternoon it's like, "Sorry, we can't do it." So what do you mean? I got you. You said this was the valuation of the player. We've met it. Yep. Yeah, but talk to the manager and he's not happy. And the chairman said, We got to back the manager, so we, we won't go through with the deal now. Is that, is that but, deadline dead? That was one deadline, yeah, yeah. That's what it sort of came down think- There was one that was, um, actually came down to the wire, but it was contingent on them bringing in another player. But that, they were clear on that one. We have to bring And when their deal collapsed, I knew that there was no way that deal was going to happen. Yeah, I think
4: uh, a question about what fans probably have is actually where the. Valuation.
3: Obviously, we all know the financial
4: situation of our club. Yeah. But sort of, who is it that... Obviously, I know well, there's your side where you're talking, this is what we've got to I've got, spend. I've got parameters, I right? Think how does yeah. Sean fit into it? Because he has been taught that, you know, he obviously doesn't Sean's want to bring right. people in yeah. who are going to upset the yeah. dressing yeah. room. Cause he could, they, so they come in for you know, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you think, if we go out
3: and we buy a, a £15 million pound player um, and we bring that player in, then is a 15 million pound player comes a 15 million pound wage that's attached to it and if someone's making triple the amount and everybody else in the wage room is sean will be is very sensible about things but he does not call the the, the shots in terms of, sure. of the actual he, he would he's not the one who says um no uh, you know uh, um if the board said you know what if you want this player you can have him yeah, he would he would do it. Sean is consulted, yes. But but again, it's about the principles and the parameters we have to do. So when we go fishing for players, we're looking for players who we want to fit in within those those parameters. Now if that particular player happened to cost six, eight million, then the player costs six, eight million. It's about the process. So you know, you don't have you don't have a
5: board identifying players. You don't have a chief executive identifying players. You have a manager and his his recruitment department deciding the, the type of <coughs> player they want to bring in that fits in with the mould. They do their homework on that. They know they want to know about the character. They want to know about what he can play like, what his attributes are, what his development capability is within the growth of the team. That department, whether it be the head of recruitment or the manager, then will come to the board, including the chief executive, and say. This is a candidate we, that we identified that we want in, in our building. The process of the financials then starts generally with the chief executive and the player's agent and the other club if it involves a, cl- a player under contract. All that dialogue comes together to determine how much does he cost to buy, how much does he cost to pay, what does what are his demands in terms of term. Once that's all wrapped in, at that point, you know, the, the chief has got it teed up in, in a domino effect, so, right, bang, 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 it's all ready. We'll refer back, have a dialogue with the manager to say, yep, yeah, this is where we're at now, because the next thing you've got to do is you've got to re-engage with the football department in terms of the medical provision. Yeah. They want to make sure he meets the criteria. <coughs> now, if the manager's got an issue with anything in, 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 that's happened in phase two, in the fiscal side of it, then he will voice that. Yeah. If he hasn't got it, you know, that's where open dialogue happens. It's not about, you know, there's, no, there's not like miscommunication where one does one thing in isolation oh, to another. Yeah. And then what then happens is we'll have a medical football department will make an assessment based on that medical and depending on what the information comes out of that then the
3: determination will be um, do you then progress one of the problems we have we're looking primarily the structure for where we are domestically probably achieved over this summer or, or, or October where I want it to be but, but getting into Europe and, and, and the yeah. world foreign players need, need a lot more TLC they need to be integrated they need to yeah. tell them the wh- what they're doing you, need, you know how to do things national insurance all the things they don't understand so that's <coughs> one of the things and I think we've got we now have an infrastructure set mm-hmm. up that we can handle that but the biggest thing is when you when you know, scouting is about time that's what it's about because you're not going to go out and sign somebody on the basis of one performance that's something that ma- and, and Sean is great because he wants to know chapter and verse about players he's signing now that's come across as oh he doesn't like foreign players no 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 it just means that getting the info about foreign players is a hell of a lot more difficult yeah, than yeah. domestic yeah, I mean, it t- takes more time you to about do it foreign
4: players being picked off the back of you know like YouTube videos sort yeah. of thing. and that's, that's and that is not how yeah. a recruitment department
3: yeah. works definitely Anyone not would we would do do it. something called technical scouting which is very statistically oriented but that is only as a tool to identify the players to go look at, but we'll track the guys for for a long, long time. Just
6: out of curiosity, more than anything, how many people are in the recruitment department now? Uh,
3: We have one, two, three, four, five, seven, twenty, twenty-four scouts. So, Uh, how many games are they seeing in an average week? Depends no. on what the average week brings, you know. The, if the European scouts be out there if, if there's a. Um, they if won't go do have a guitar. They're hoping to see like one or two get yeah, you know or three games. Be more than that. that. <laughs> like if you like, um, let's say we go to Scotland, uh, and let's say Lee goes to Scotland, Lee Dama goes to Scotland. And he's one game that particularly wants to see. But if there's an early game, we'll hit that one as well. Then move on to to the other game. So he'll try <laughs> to hit two in one day. And that's generally how we do things. You know, if we go abroad try try to get three or four in on that particular weekend depending on, on where they're scheduled and, and geographically how where the, they are. How does the scouting actually work from sort of a getting the scout in the game? You just request a ticket. Yeah, yeah we really we get requests from, from people all the time so we have a scout section and we just, just put them in there.
1: What have Burnley learnt as a club from the last two transfer windows, if we if we have we learn anything we might take forward as running the states we might have no, here, here, that's a funny one,
3: because um, I like headlines, the media cracked me up in this in this country, you know, some of the headlines I've seen, what oh, really good was like, um, Manchester United batter Burnley 3-1, and you think, well, you at the same game I was, mm-hmm. Langstreet and Telegraph, transfer window was a real eye-opener, says Chief Executive Lee, who's a real eye-opener, I was like, and I, th- I sat there and thought, this actually was my 29th transfer window. Um, in active I mean I've been around longer than that actually but 29 this is my 29th I'm actively dealing with player transfers ins and outs and I thought does he really think the previous 28 I was just sitting there and then suddenly bam oh god look at what happened in here so yeah I knew what to expect um, you know there's certain principles you abide by and everybody always says the same thing well, why didn't you start earlier well, actually we did because we signed Michael Keane right away as soon as we were able to I do it that's, that's but the good. other ones were you can't you can't get it till somebody else makes to do the deal. about January transfer
4: window as well, and that it wasn't really just us; he's struggled to get a business done. There was a lot. Of there it was didn't well, really I asked the, we, the manager, and I
3: had uh, we grabbed a bite last yeah. night, and I just said, "Yes, is, is there anybody else who moved in the transfer window?" You said, "We missed out on him; we should have had him." And he said to me, goes, no, because it normally takes that. For, you know, it normally takes a move somewhere to make something else happen. So if yeah, somebody exactly. moves, and so said, suddenly, okay, that person now becomes available." Great, we get him. That means this person comes available. It's kind of that domino effect. Yeah. So
2: in January, it was pretty obvious that we were trying to sign a midfielder. Um, yeah. After we weren't able to, yeah. what were your thoughts when Dean Marnie obviously
3: got a serious injury? Well, of course, disappointed. But uh, the Dean got an, an injury, as anybody would be disappointed that he got an injury. The only person more disappointed than probably the the, the people in here and the manager was Dean himself because he's been doing very well. Well, but as it's it's the same thing. Manager always says. Look, this is an opportunity for somebody else And so
2: Sky Raphael has moved right in And boom It was a, a little bit frustrating that we couldn't get more detail On the transfers from. I think I mean, the, the club still seems to say Basically, it wasn't their fault But I, I don't know if that explanation stacks up When we've massively failed In the January transfer and I think more needs to be said about that It's a shame that we couldn't get more information I don't know what you think about that
6: yeah it's 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 a weird one because on on the one hand you can kind of understand where they're coming from because if you you can't do these things because uh, I I found it particularly interesting that there was someone actually at at Turf Moor and were basically locked in an office somewhere as they were trying to to do it. So like on the one hand you can see that they've they've tried as hard as they can but on the other you can you can say well it was a failure like there's there's no no disputing that it was a failure so you got to come out a failure and improve the next time so um i'm not really sure what wh- what the answer really means um in, in terms of how things will go like in the summer or, or in the future yeah you
2: would you hope that they'd learn lessons but i think david Baldwin mentioned um in another section i think that You need to be planning ahead By yeah. three transfer windows Not just one So if, if things have gone wrong in January Then it's not maybe something We can address in some of that I'm sure so will play out Depending on what league we're in Next season So that's something else to keep an eye on So that's it on transfers Unfortunately we couldn't get any more detail Out of Lee and David on that But they're not they're obviously not going to talk about specific players, although we did try and push them on a couple. Obviously, uh, Graeme Dorans was one that we know we were interested in, but we couldn't get any firm answers about that, I'm afraid. Um, those of you who uh, are longer-term readers and listeners at and Ever will know that we spoke to Lee Hoos about a year ago, um, so you'll know a bit about Lee already. But David Baldwin is brand new, so it was interesting to get his perspective on how it's different at Burnley compared to Bradford where of course he was chief executive at Bradford as well so it's a slightly different job for him at Surfmore
5: Ultimately it's the economy of scale operationally the principles are the same audience numbers it's not a huge difference it's the economy of scale in terms of the fiscal side of it. the, the operational responsibilities are very different the, are the external demands on the club in terms of you know the, the national, the, the national international media. They need to attend. I mean, we almost have to provide an entire block for the media. You know, whereas at a League One, League Two club, you're talking about half a dozen people turning up and providing them a support, pies, stuff. You know, to keep them going. So they're, they're the minutia of practicality. Lee focuses primarily on the football and the football and finance into the board, um, but it's very transparent in terms of giving me the, the peripheral awareness of it. And then on the other side of it, you know, my job is to drive commercial incomes, look at ticket initiatives, look at the, the way we run the match day operation. I and mean, it's a huge operational cost, the match day operation. You know, policing and stu- stewarding alone is a half a million pound bill. But you compare that as a number to, to Bradford, where it's probably a £100,000 to £150,000 bill. Um, yet, in terms of audience demand, you're talking a couple of two or 3,000 more in reality. So, um, And I think what that allows... And the traction will come over time, as it allows the club to to start thinking more forward in terms of project planning. You don't, you know, you hit the Premier League in the, in year one, in in August. You only really, you only know in May you're in the Premier League. You know, so there isn't a lot of time to prepare for it. And a lot of things went on behind the scenes thereafter. When you're talking about acquisition of players and transfer windows, you you've got to be thinking three ahead, not just one ahead. So you know, uh, and, that, and that's that. What my job is to make sure that that gives Lee that time to be able
3: to. Work closely with the manager to have that forward projection. The chain of command works is you've got me and the manager reporting to the board. So, and the manager and I kind of have a, a dotted line between each other. And so, so because we have to work very, very closely together. Um, on the um, on the, on that side, so so Dave reports to me. He's got all the operating areas of the business because you know I, t- I told the board it was difficult enough last year. When we going into the Premier League, I just said if, if we're really, really serious about moving the club forward. I can't do this because I'm just spread pillar to post right now. I've got to have help. I've got to have somebody come in and drive me, help help me drive things forward. Um, I, and it has to be somebody who, who, quite frankly, if anything ever happens to me, can pick up the reins like that. So, so you know, that's what we did. Dave's been fantastic. Dave is a chief executive in his own right. Um, and he was coming in to be the chief operating officer here to help drive the non-business areas. But you know, we share a de- we share an office so that we all know we both Absolutely. know. A- <laughs> nice and cozy that way. Yeah, one of us is always making the tea. Um, so, but but the most important thing is the information flow. We both know what's going on here, so so you know nothing nothing can fall through the cracks. You know, you know he can, he can hear what I'm doing. You know, so he can pick up things, and, and, and so it's, it's worked out really really well. And I think I think you've seen a big difference already since he's joined. You know, if if I, if I, if I look back at when I first started three years ago um, I've come in I've looked at a set of, of management accounts that were kind of like you know this is, um, this is a bit dicey going going forward you know there, there had to be a complete um, yeah. really it's a complete business turnaround about how we, we developed a sustainable club Because so that's the one thing the director said is look we, have to, we, we can't keep funding this and I know everybody, you know, you'll, you'll say, oh, it's season ticket prices are too expensive. But I got to tell you, nobody had a more expensive season ticket than, than Mike and John um, because they were plowing in millions into the club to keep it ticking over. Um, and the one big difference that this has made, Premier League has made to the club is I haven't had to get on the phone one time and say, guys need a million quid next month to make payroll. So <laughs> that, that makes my life a hell of a lot easier. So it also makes Not their fun. life a lot easier as well uh, because I, I know they love the town. I know they love the, the, the football club. Um, but you know, there's only so far they can go as, as businessmen, and, and they'll tell you themselves, like, yeah, we've done well for ourselves, but we're not Roman Abramoviches. We don't. Have, we're not billionaires that we can just keep chucking money at the club. The, the club has to stand on its yeah. own two feet.
2: It's particularly important as well that, that David can be a chief executive in his own right, as Lee says, because I think um, a lot of people would like to see Lee stand aside, and while that doesn't seem on the cards. It's vital to have some support in there, and Lee certainly seems happy with how David is doing in the role.
6: He actually did uh, ask Lee when he was stepping aside as a, as a bit of a joke, because we we did receive a few few questions, quite a few, um, saying when's Lee when's Lee gonna get out of our football club. Yeah, you seem to laugh him off. Uh, laugh him off. I, I I found his kind of stance on his critics quite quite interesting, really, because I don't think we've got any clips that in in this podcast that that. State it, but his his view is basically that if someone's abusing him and giving him stick, then it's one less uh, member of staff that, that gets a stick. So I, I found that quite quite interesting, and and I guess kind of kind of admir- admirable admirable um, that he's he's just wants to take the the flak. He, he even I think he said to you, Jamie, that you should you should blame him for everything.
2: Yeah, I think in a way he's sort of the the lightning rod, isn't he? That he he takes the criticism when things go wrong, and I think. That's, that's partly the, the job of the Chief of A2, I think that's right. It's similar to when, when players take responsibility, when the players have actually mucked it up, you need to avoid the staff getting, getting too much criticism. So it is interesting the way he approaches things, but yeah, it's probably a good job that he, he also said to he doesn't look online at what people are saying about him, which is a really good thing, I think, given some of the comments we had about Lee in the, in the lead-up to the interview. The next thing that we talked about was um, the club shop. David Baldwin has done some work with the, the physical shop at Surfmore, but the online shop, um, we had some comments. I think James from None no and ever is particularly passionate about how poor the online shop is, but developments are happening in that area, as David told us.
5: Have a meeting with three suppliers on e-commerce sales over the next month and I will be presenting at the next board meeting what my proposal is in terms of how to improve it. It, it, As a measuring stick, we were operating under 10% e-commerce sales uh, in November. We achieved, uh, in December, 18% of sales we're still riding above 15%. The average, is, the average for a club is between 15 and 20%. So make a step in the right direction, because we're finding that most people who are making transactional purchases now are moving from desktop to, to um, Android, you know, a mobile app or yeah. mobile phone. Yeah. If you go onto the mobile version, it's a cleaner thing. It's, very, it's got a similar look to Amazon. Still not what we want, yeah. but it, the focus was, <clears> do we prettify the desktop, which is a, the dying part of e-commerce, or do we focus on actually having a mobile optimized site that we don't even have it? At one point, you're having to zoom in and out to try and do it. You can't buy yeah. in that I mean, process.
2: Now, recently, there was a big new Premier League TV deal. I think it was in, ex- in excess of £5 billion for was it three years of, of live football on TV. Now, that's obviously going to have a big impact on the world of football. But how is it going to affect Burnley Football Club? Is there a chance smaller clubs like us could get locked out of the Premier League if we're not in there when it comes into effect? Well what he said
3: well even even the new premier league deal if we got relegated obviously it doesn't kick in until sixteen seventeen. so but still that would affect a parachute payment going forward because the parachute payments are based on a percentage of the um sure. um basic the, payment. Is basically
2: not a risk though with the money going up so much that small clubs could get a lot tighter
3: from the league also? well we are a small club and we um, we actually <coughs> did it last year without a, a parachute yeah. payment because like i said the parachute payment itself was already it was when you when you look at the debt in the in the balance sheet that what we did it was already gone. It had already been it had already been forward factored. So the only thing we got last year was the extra amount of money that the that the parachute payment went up because of the new TV deal in our season of promotion, which is you know relatively small. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did so we bucked that trend. We showed that actually you can do this. It's not just about the money. On the fact, about, I'm just,
4: sorry, I'm just curious. How do you sort of agents and other clubs approach us, knowing sort of what our strategy is? Are they so, sort of take the mic a bit, or do they sort of respect what we're trying to do? Here and Actually,
3: most people respect what we're doing. Yeah. 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 As, as I, as I tell people, said, listen, you can come in here, but there's a couple of things. One, we'll guarantee a couple of things. One, you'll enjoy his football. Two, you will get paid, <laughs> unlike, <laughs> unlike other clubs who are who, who, you know, playing the show game all the time. You know, we, we're <coughs> a sovereign club, we make sure that we, we, we pay things and, because we haven't gone that. Um, and, and three, we'll enhance your career because we will bring out the best in the player, we will make sure that you're, you're, you're highlighted, and we will make sure that um, you might walk in as one player, but when you leave, you will absolutely be a better player. Do you think the, the
1: size of the Premier League deal is good for football on, in, on, a, on the whole?
3: That's an interesting question. Um, I think it's important that it stays within the UK or stays within England. More importantly, because you know, it's, for me, it's frustrating when you see a lot of money going outside the game into other people's pockets, particularly when it's not here. Um, I, I think um, it's obviously helpful to clubs like us because it kind of we are a small club, guys. You know, let's face it, we are. And people don't. A lot of people have said to me, "Yeah, we know we're small, but we don't like being reminded of it," which is fair enough. But we are really, really batting well above um, where we are in terms of the size of the club that we are. And a payment like that really, really helps us out in terms of trying to level the playing field. Uh, again, it's about trying to be competitive, and that money helps us to be competitive in ways that otherwise we couldn't do. In terms of, of, of being bad for football, again, I go back to what I said about the comparison 30 years ago to now <coughs> with all the things football are doing with, with local communities. That can only be good. That can only be good for, for the country. It can only be good for the local communities. And certainly it's going to be good for a town like Burnley to help raise the the, the aspiration levels.
1: But what about smaller clubs? Do you think it's it's making it harder for smaller clubs? You mean like I mean, Accrington and like, people like that? Well, yeah, I think Accrington says something along the lines of, one, the TV money for one game would pay their wage bill for something like yeah. 20, years. 20 years, something like that. So do you think... We're, we're, there's, there's a danger... OK, we did that last year with very little investment, but probably anomaly. Do you think there's a danger if this, if the money continues to rise but we're going to have a Premier League and that's, that's pretty much it and the teams can come down and the results come straight back up?
3: No, I think... Um, it, I, I don't think it would... Um have the ultimate effect on a team like and Stanley, whether they, they, survive, or they survive, whether they don't survive, what they actually do, um, they actually do benefit from it indirectly because there is a solidarity payment that goes down to them. But at the end of the day, you know, when, you get past the, <coughs> when you get down past the championship, it's, it's about your attraction, to, to people and you know mass media being what it is the attraction is in the Premier League secondarily it's with, with the championship um, so in terms of, of that I think it's probably more about people saying I might rather watch Manchester United and Arsenal on TV than go to African and Stanley to, to watch it line. so it's, it's about really I think that the local clubs and, and the league maybe needs to look at all right, how many local clubs can we actually support here?
2: Now, youth development is also an area that is, is close to the hearts of a lot of fans. And also in particular, we sponsor two youth team players at Turf Moor. And that is one of the things that we think is massively important. Unfortunately, on the first team side, it seems to have gone by the wayside a little bit. I think in the last 10 years, we've only brought four players through. Chris McCann, Kyle Lafferty, Richard Chapo, and Jay Rodriguez, of course. Um, I'm not sure whether that's a good rate or not, to be honest, but four in 10 years doesn't sound fantastic. So we asked about investments in the youth department, what's being done on improving our academy status.
3: Well, first thing we've got to do is we need to increase the categorization that we have. We're currently a category three academy. Sure. Uh, we need to get to a category two status. Now, interestingly enough, from an infrastructure standpoint, when I say infrastructure, I mean personnel, we're operating almost as a category two um, uh, academy right now. The problem is the physical infrastructure. We need an indoor facility that's 60 by 40. Now, now, I'm sure you're aware, we put in planning permission up at Gothel to try and and build a 60 by 40. That is the next major step. So once we get that, it's about the, you know, that increases level of competition, it increases things. The same type of things we've implemented with the first team in, in the area of sports science, we're now implementing in the academy as well to, to to try and grow those players.
2: And on the infrastructure side, we're also interested in what upgrades have been planned for the Bob Ward stand and the Creightfield stand, two of the, the older stands at Surfmore, Of course, they will all in agreement that, that work needs to be done there eventually. James was actually suggesting that the, the Bob Ward stand could be cantilevered which I'm not sure is a project is, is ever going to happen at Surfmore, But work is going to be done on the bobboard stand in the summer, apparently.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got the planning permission in to do, to redevelop the, the top part here. Um, so underneath, we'll be looking at what we do with the bobboard stand as well. Because, I, again, I, <coughs> look, guys, if, if nothing else, I, 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 I try to be as honest as I can with you. I yeah. think those toilet facilities in there and the facilities we offer in the bobboard. Or substandard, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're storming <laughs> yeah, to be honest Yeah. So it, it's something I think. And again, when I talked about facilities, like you can't, you can't, you know, try and get people here, and then they come in and they queue up and go, "Good Lord, look at these yeah, the toilets! Are a disgrace!" Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just a it's just a, just needs a yeah. bad impression yeah. of things. And, yeah. And so, yeah, I, we really need to try and look at that to take it forward. I'd like to start on that one um, immediately as soon as we get into the closed season. And we don't have a clip about
2: this, but the latest on uh, the redevelopment of Gothorpe is that they're still waiting on planning permission. Um, I know there's been some rumours That work's been put back there But we don't have anything To tell you on that I'm afraid The official line that we got from Lee and David Is that they're still waiting for planning permission So hopefully we'll hear from um, Hear something from the club about that As soon as possible Finally then we are coming towards the end of this podcast Hopefully the things that you're most interested in Have come up If not um, I do recommend you check out the, the, The written up i think there's going to be three parts written up on site um that's also going to be going up this week so please do check them out and there might be more detail in in there with some extra quotes but the final thing we asked about was um paying staff a living wage at Turf Moor. now our our kevin is very passionate about this particular topic so we asked lee is the club going to commit to paying staff a living wage
3: is what what is the living wage? I think it's like no, eight pounds. Uh, I <laughs> it's, think it's like seven eighty something. It's about one fifty above
2: the minimum wage. I think Chelsea is the only Premier League still committed to it so far.
3: Right. It just depends on the job, really. I mean, if you were looking at someone, uh, say, uh, um, you know, the, the stewarding and people like that, it's that's a part time job and based on part time resources. Um, but but certainly from uh, from the full time perspective, you know, we make sure our people are, are, are rewarded accordingly. That's probably a no then. <laughs> Lee, Lee didn't seem to know what
2: the living wage was, which I thought was a bit strange. Maybe, maybe they a lot.
6: Yeah, maybe that's linked to the fact that he doesn't read anything online. <laughs> maybe, but, but... I know the uh, the Guardian are pushing quite hard, aren't they? Yeah, yeah there's a
2: lot in the Guardian about it, and it. It is something that I think the club should do, so we can push push for that to happen i don't think it would cost an awful lot of money i think the gap between the minimum wage and the living wage isn't huge is it it's a couple of quid three quid or something
6: i think i think lee kind of inferred in in that clip that there a lot of like the stewarding and whatever is is kind of i think contracted out contracted out so I, i don't know how much um kind of um control the club would have over that so but even just committing to paying Club staff. I mean, they probably already are, but like just catering staff and and stuff. That that surely is that comes under the the club's control. So so maybe we we can push a bit a bit harder on them.
2: Yeah, um, I would say that if that's something that you you want us as as our readers and listeners, if you want us to to push the club on that, we will do it because basically that's what we're here for. We want to do what what you want us to do, basically. Um, but that is about it. I, I thought it was enlightening in the end, but. From a from a a non in point of view, I was a bit frustrated that we didn't get any real news lines either. There's no nothing that people are going to hear from that and go, "Oh my god, I didn't know that." But still, interesting to hear about the future of the club and what's being planned. I suppose.
6: I think that the honesty around the, the retainer retainers quite quite refreshing as well. I mean, it's nothing that Lee Hughes hasn't said said before, but to say the marketing was quote piss poor on on the retainer that's. Um, that that's that's a, a good sign, I suppose, that you can you can take the the, the flak. So I think that's one thing that came out of the the, the interview is that um, Lee 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 Who's does does try and take responsibility for for some things, but these the problems like the ticket ticketing and and what have you. Um, I think that from a, a kind of fans' point of view, it's very hard to kind of balance it from the club's point of view with like with the. Uh, economics of, of the situation—they need need certain price points, and they need, need certain things to be done. But yeah, uh, I agree with you, in that it's a, a bit of a shame we didn't get any real like headlines out of it. But yeah, um, no
2: exclusives.
6: Uh, yeah, it just it. I suppose it just um, adds to the kind of transparency, um, and and uh, hopefully you feel more informed than you did before about um, where the where the club stands on certain things.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's important to acknowledge as well that we are grateful to the club for for letting us do this. We do have to push quite hard for these things to happen sometimes but they do give in sometimes in the end so it's really important that we have this bridge I think between the club and the fans and that's what we try to do essentially. I'd say that's, that's what sums up what we're about so hopefully you found it interesting if you've got feedback about um about this podcast or if anything about what we do really you can always get in touch with us the general email address is blog at none and or if you've got podcast specific questions queries feedback that's podcast at none and ever.net. and you can tweet us as well that's at none but we're going to leave it there for now for this week we're back for a normal one next week where hopefully we'll have a positive results to talk about. It's been a little while, but only haven't won for a while, but Manchester City are the visitors to surf more, so I don't know about you, Adam. I'm not hopeful of getting much from that game.
6: No, I remember the last the last Premier League outing against Man City, I was actually at the game. That was a that was a fun, fun afternoon.
2: Yeah, Um, hopefully it's not gonna be that bad. Hopefully
6: (laughs) hopefully it won't rain as
2: much either. Ma maybe on a nice positive note, hopefully we're not gonna get thrashed as badly as (laughs) but that is all for this week. So thanks for listening and we'll be back next week.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with muck delivery.
3: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.